Hi, this is Pastor Rob, and I want to thank you for joining us here for the second sermon in our Advent series in 2016. This morning, we're talking about love, love for God and love for one another. My prayer is that you'll receive a word from the Lord this morning and be encouraged and challenged to love God and to love one another more as we walk through and celebrate this Christmas season together. God bless you. It's the Advent season, and Advent simply means the coming of Christ. We're celebrating the coming of Jesus this Christmas. It's not about Santa Claus, um, but it's about Jesus Christ who came 2,000 years ago for us. And last week, um, though the service is a little different, we talked about the theme of hope, that Jesus was our hope when he came. This morning, I want to focus on the next candle, the next topic in the Advent, and that is love. And so this morning we want to talk about the, the love of God, which you can't talk about in one service. It's too vast. It's too much. But we're going to spend some time in the Word and just talk about the love of God for us. Amen? You know, the Bible says God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. You know, the Bible is full of God's love for us, New Testament and Old Testament. God loved his people. He called them out of darkness. And this morning it's so important that we understand that God actually loves you and me. And there's times in our life that we don't feel the love of God. There's times in our life that we feel separated from God. What, what Rob was talking about earlier in the worship, if you're feeling far from God, I got, got a picture. Actually, it was a, a, a picture of a husband and wife who were actually laying together, about to go to sleep, but not talking to each other. Angry, hurt. You know, you've, you, if you've been married, you've, you've been there. A fight has happened, and there's just no talking going on. And, and, and you look at that picture, and you go, you can't get much closer. You're, you're in, in bed together, you know, six inches in between you, and yet miles apart. You know what I mean? You're never far from God, but sometimes we're laying right next to him like there's a massive wall like we're miles away from him. And often it's the same thing that separates us from our spouse. One of us has done something wrong and we're not willing to ask forgiveness and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the reason we do that in our marriage is because it's always their fault. <laughs> and that's the one thing we agree on. We could look at each other and say the exact same thing. It's your fault. The thing with God is he's, he's there right with us always. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And yet we feel far from him. There's a, a bumper sticker I saw many years ago. It says, feeling far from God, who moved? Who moved see God didn't move and physically we didn't move we're just separated and if that's you this morning I 
urge you, plead with you, just look at God and make it right. He's right there and just say, God, I'm feeling so far from you. I don't want to. Forgive me. And if you don't know why you're feeling far from him, but you are, you can even tell him that, God, I don't even know why I'm feeling so removed from you this morning. Would you show me? And he will. He'll show you what's going on, and he'll, he'll reveal that to your spirit so that you can get that relationship with him restored so that you can walk in his love. Because he is not withholding his love from you because you're bad. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 5, 6, says that when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. We were utterly helpless. We were lost in sin. When Jesus came into the world 2,000 years ago, it was a dark time. The people were in sin and they were in darkness and God sent Jesus at that time for us. Romans 5 says that, says that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In, in a good marriage, when there's a fight going on, when there's a disagreement going on, the, one of the spouses will go and do something nice for the other spouse in the midst of the disagreement, in the midst of the fight, whether they buy a present or they, they do a chore, they just do something to honor and to love the other person. They don't wait until the other person gets their act together and then give them something. Finally, you, finally you agree that you're a bozo. Now I'm going to give you something nice. Now we're in agreement again. You're a bozo. I think you're a bozo. Hey, we're on the same page. You know, no, in a good marriage, even in those midst, the, the, the loving spouse who, who will be willing to die to themselves will go and serve and honor them. Where do we get that? We get that because God does that for us. While we were sinners... And I'm looking around the room at some pretty ugly sinners. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, you know your story. Some of you know, you, you go, man, you, you would not have liked me when I was in the world. I mean, there's things about me you would have absolutely just been appalled at. I was in the world, I was, I was full of sin, and, and God pulled us out of it. And while we were sinners, not just, you know, well, I told a couple of white lies. I mean, he knows the real story. And while you were there, in the midst of that, God looked through eternity and said, I'm going to send Jesus, my son, for you. Now, some of, the, some of us in this room have felt like we've had to work to gain that and to earn that sacrifice. Maybe you didn't start doing it until after you, you got saved. Some of you maybe started doing it before you got saved, and some of you are still doing it, and you're not even saved because you're trying to earn forgiveness. God loved you so much that he paid the price he paid the price. The Bible says that he sent Jesus as a propitiation. Don't you love that word? I want to read 1 John. 
chapter 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might exist through him. No, live through him. He wants us to live. In this is love. Not that we have loved God. I'm going to stop before we go on. You know, the big deal is not that we love God. You know, I don't want to, you know, yes, we should be proud that we love God. But it shouldn't be this, I love God, I love God, I love God more than you, I love God. I love God. But God loves me. Wow. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Now, if you're under 50, you've never heard that word except in the Bible. It's an old word. It means atonement, another big word. Payment means to make amends for. This morning on the way to, to church, I don't know if you know this, but Jesse loves Starbucks. And she was house-sitting at the other side of town. So I knew that she would be running by Starbucks. And uh, so I thought, I'm going to get one this morning. And, uh, you know, sometimes she'll bring me a, a, a drink, you know, when she's in town, and, and she'll just show up with a, a, a coffee for me. And I went, Starbucks has an app that you can pay for your drink in advance have it ready for you, and just pick it up. Well, pretty fancy, huh? That's pretty fancy. So I went online, and I made sure it was going to work, and texted Jesse, and I said, you need to give me your order this morning. I'm going to order the drinks ahead of time. And so she gave me her order, and I ordered my drinks. I tried to order a sandwich. It wouldn't let me do that, which was a shame. Now I didn't eat. but And I paid for it this little thing. and amazing? When she showed up at Starbucks, she could have tried to pay again, but they wouldn't let her. I don't, I don't think she did, but she could have said, well, let me pay for this. And they would say, you can't. You can't pay for this. It's already paid for. But I really want to pay for it. I don't want Pastor Rob to buy my coffee. I want to pay for it. And they'd say, it's already paid for. Take your drinks and get out of here. We're busy. Jesus Christ paid for your sin. You can't pay for it again. So stop trying. He loves us so much that he, the propitiation means he did it. He paid for it. It doesn't mean... He made a way so that you could pay for your sins because you need to do that. 
I love a lot of things about the Catholic Church, but one of the teachings that is either misunderstood or is just, just wrong, and I don't know where it went wrong, is that people are under the, the thinking and understanding that they can go and, and pay something for their sin. They'll go into confession, which is wonderful to do. The Bible says to confess your sins one to another. It doesn't have to be to a priest. Confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another. That's a good thing. But somewhere along the line, the teaching got askewed, and, the, and some priest will say something like this. Okay, well, now that you've confessed your sin, go and give your Hail Marys. Go and do something. And then people will feel like they have to go and pay their penance for their sin. That's, that's so unbiblical. Jesus paid the price. The only thing we should do after that is go and say, thank you, God. Thank you. And stop trying to pay for it. God loved us so much that he gave his only son for us. God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. When we think of Christmas this year, love is a theme that we need to remember. Hope Love. Next week, we're going to talk about joy and finally peace. And these things mark the life of a believer and life of a Christian, and love should be exuding from us. But the problem is that one of the reasons we don't love and we're maybe not loving people is because we don't understand God's love for us. He loved me, and He loved you. And I tell you, I feel unlovable at times. And I'm a worker. I'm a doer. And it's a, it's a struggle to keep the cart behind the horse for me. I can't earn his love. I have to receive it. But he loves us. Remember the scripture I said a moment ago, it says that not that we loved God, but that he loved us. The first thing is that God loved us. And, and this morning, you're going to have to continue to say that. You, need, you know, we're going to do that before we move on to the next point. God loved me. Say that. Now we're going to make it present tense. See, because that, maybe that's easier for you to say, yeah, God loved me and he died for my sin. Okay. Now we're going to come up to right now. God loves me. God loves me. The problem is, is you know yourself better than anyone else, and you might say, there's nothing good to love. I want to play, before I move on, there's a little song. Uh, we're going to just listen to like 30 seconds of a hymn.
Listen to the words. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond our measure. That he should give his only son. To make a wretch's treasure. That he should give his only son. To make a wretch his treasure. I was a wretch. And he calls me his treasure. There's a Christmas song I was thinking about this morning. It's a newer Christmas song. What can I give to the king? What can I give to the king? Nothing. I have nothing of real value that I can offer to God, but he loves me. Because he loves me, I want to give him whatever I have. My kids bring me little things and have throughout their lives and little drawings and little things they made at church. And I'd like to think it was, wasn't only because the Sunday school made them do it, but that maybe they love me and they recognize that I love them. And so when we were hard up on money, I took all those gifts and I tried to sell them on eBay. And nobody bid on them. <laughs> nobody wanted them. Let's start the bidding at a penny. And the, and the auction closed. Because to anybody else, their gifts are worthless. And of course, I, did, I would never, ever do that. I would never sell those. Because to other people, they're worthless. To me, they're priceless. Church, you were worthless. But you're priceless to God. And he loves you. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. First John 4, the whole section around 7 and 8, 9 is a great passage because it talks about the love of God. get there in a second. I jumped ahead. So God loved us, and in Matthew chapter 27, sorry, we'll go back to John. We find the greatest commandment. Matthew 
what is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied, verse 37, Matthew 22, 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I'm leaking. You know, the Jews, they knew the greatest commandment was to love God. And they were doing it as an action verb. I think the reason the, some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees were all mixed up, and, and, and it's important for us to know, even as biblical scholars, that not all Pharisees were bad and not all Sadducees were bad. These were groups of people. And, and they were called Pharisees for a reason, and it wasn't because they were bad. It was the, their belief system and the way they lived. The Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. The Pharisees did. But some of the Pharisees and Sadducees, I think one of the reasons they did get it wrong was because they didn't understand the first part. They were trying to uphold the law and loving God, but they didn't receive his love first. See, if you're just trying to love somebody without understanding it's a reciprocal thing and not receiving love, then really you're just having actions. And God wants to be in relationship with him. He loves us first, so then our response is that we love him in return. In Luke chapter 7, we find the story of Jesus with his disciples at Simon's house. Jewish custom would have said, when you walk into the house, do you have a servant wash the feet of people because the roads were dirty, they wore sandals. And it was very common. Everyone would have that and know that that was the thing. And yet, when Jesus came in, Simon, the house owner, didn't wash the feet of Jesus. And so a woman comes in. And she kneels down and begins to wash Jesus' feet. Now, we believe that this woman was Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute, who was a sinner, who Jesus had encountered previously. And she began to cry and wash her feet with her hair. Some of you women are going, I wouldn't let my hair touch that dirt. And she poured out, another account says that she poured out the alabaster vessel with a very expensive perfume in it. And she washed his feet in the People in the room began to argue, what a waste of money. Why is she doing that? Jesus, why are you letting a, a, a sinner touch you? And Jesus, in verse 47, says something. He says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. She understood her sin and how big it was, and she was giving to her king love. 
He who has been forgiven much loves much. Church, we should love God because we understand His love for us. One of the problems that stand in our way is that we might not understand the gravity of our sin and that we were forgiven much. If we're a person who's trying to earn our salvation and earn forgiveness, then there's not going to be a lot of love to God in return because I am paying for my own sin. Why should I even love God? But when we understand that no matter how hard we try, we can't earn it, that it was just unpayable by us, but Jesus paid the price. And we understand, if we understand that without Christ, our future is hell. And that those little lies and the big lies are the same. And that hating your brother is the same as murder and looking at a woman with lust is the same as committing adultery. And yet Jesus forgave us of those things and we begin to understand the gravity of our situation before Christ compared to our situation in Christ which is forgiven, blood-bought, going to heaven, sanctified, set apart. We'll probably begin to love more. In 1 Peter 2, it says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It was mercy, not work. Mercy not your own payment. And we received mercy. So we love God. We sing to Him. We honor Him. We bring our gifts to Him, not to buy anything, but just to say, God, you've given everything for me. Everything I have is yours. So God loves us, and we love God. And then God calls us to love one another. So this is Christmas. The love of God is manifest through Jesus for us. And so we receive that and we love God in return. And then he says, wait, here's, here comes the hard part. Because that first part, is a, it really is a lot easier to love God. I mean, you know, he's, he doesn't do anything bad. He's pretty easy to love. But he says, you're supposed to love your neighbor. And you say, have you met my neighbor? They stay up late and play their music too loud, and their dog always poops in my yard. Now we're at First John. And if you grew up in Sunday school, you remember this passage really well. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Right? That's, how, that's, that you, you, that's the only way you know this passage. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. But let's read it. Beloved, let us love one another. John's writing. 
Love is from God. Well, that's a whole nother thought because God's love is so immense and love comes from God and everyone who loves, the Bible says, is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Right there is a, an accusation, screaming accusation to some because there's been people maybe you've met in your, in your life that they say that they're a believer and yet they just, they, they, they don't love. In fact, you might even say, man, not only do they not love, it seems like they hate everybody. Well, we're in trouble here if that's us because the Bible says if we don't love, then we don't know God. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son in the world that we might live through him. This is the scripture I read. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There was a man in his 40s and he fell in love with this, this woman in her, in her late 30s. And she was a widow. Her husband had died five years previously to cancer, leaving her alone with her two children. Catherine at the time was 12 and Kyle was nine. And for five years, she raised them as a single mom and met this man and this man just absolutely adored her. And he would do almost anything for her. He lavished her with gifts and spent time with her and whatever you want to do, we'll do together. He loved her. But he had no tolerance for her children. And he thought, I, I think I want to marry you. I'm glad your kids are getting older because I really, I just, I just really don't like your children. Is that love? How could you really love someone and not love their children? I mean, all of you said, that's just horrible, horrible. God, I love you, but your children I can't stand. The gospel is God's love for us, our love for God, and then for us to love one another. See, we can't love God and hate his children. We can't love God and be mean to the kids. What is love? We'll just get right out of the Bible. We'll just close here in just a moment. I just went to 1 Corinthians 13. So that we can help love one another during this Christmas season, we'll we need to know that love is not, according to 1 Corinthians 13, it's not envious. Well, we could probably stop there and let that be our work for the next month or so because the neighbors up the street got a new car and I didn't. And did you see so-and-so's house? Oh my gosh, it's so nice. They don't deserve that house. I don't even think they tithe. I tithe. I don't have a nice car. Love isn't envious. It's not boastful. Love isn't proud. Love isn't rude. When you're in the stores this holiday season, remember you're a Christian. <laughs> you got my order wrong. Love is not self-seeking. 
When you're in your relationship with someone, keep reminding yourself, you know, this isn't about me. I'm not going to seek my own. What can I get out of this lunch? What can I get out of this relationship? Love is not easily angered. Stay off the roads. Just That's why we have church on Sunday, so we have to be driving this morning. How are you not easily angered? You know, if you're full of the Spirit of God, it's anger comes slowly. It just it just does. If you're spending time with the Lord, I mean, you, it's it's amazing. Spending time in His Word and in worship and understanding the gift that you receive from Him, I tell you, anger comes. It, it'll still try to get you, but it's a lot harder to overtake you. When you look at everyone around you as the children of God who who God loved and died for, even if they haven't received Christ yet, God died for them still. He's just waiting for them to come to faith. Love keeps no record of wrongs and doesn't rejoice with evil. And I tell you, that's, that's hard sometimes. Because sometimes we just, when something bad happens to someone we don't like, it's hard not to rejoice sometimes, isn't it, church? You know, we just, we just say, well, you know, they got what they, they had coming. Praise God. I put an extra one in there that's not in 1 Corinthians. I'm just going to wait and preach a whole message on that next year. And you be, say thank you, Pastor Rob. Because it's about being critical. We, we won't go there today, huh? I'm, because really none of us need it. I know all of you, and none of you are ever critical of other people. So we don't need to talk about that. I'm never critical. Ask my wife. She knows that I've never criticized her. So love isn't those things. What is it? It's patient. So like you have to be right now because we're going really. You're being patient. So you got love. You gotta be patient with one another. I've got kids. I talk about them all the time, so you know that. So that was stupid of me to say. Little kids take forever to say things. Those who have kids are the ones giggling. And you're hurrying, and you're whatever, late for work, you're working on the car, you're trying to make dinner, and the kid comes up and says, Dad, 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 Dad? Yes. Well, there was this girl in the class today, and she was talking about this, and she was saying that, that Santa Claus doesn't exist, but I don't know if he might exist. And I was just wondering what you and Mom are going to do tonight because I was wondering if you're going to get me a present or not and because I'm really hoping that maybe I'll get what I want and I don't know if Santa Claus really exists. And you're like, will you please get to the point? <laughs> or we say, no, I'm going to try to be patient here. That's a silly example. Can we have patience for one another? I mean, that's a silly one. Let's get into some big things. Love is patient. Love is kind. <sighs> what if we just said, I am not going to say anything that isn't kind? Some of you wouldn't speak for a month. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know that to be true. That's not true. But you can really think of people going, oh my goodness, if that person like only said things that were kind, I can't remember when the last time they would have spoken to me. Because some people, they just, they don't have a bridle on their tongue and kind things don't happen easily. Can we be a people who say kind things to one another? Let's be kind. 
The Bible says in Romans 2.4 that it was the kindness of God that led us to repentance. You know, he didn't look down from heaven and go, you're such a loser. I mean, I had to let my son Jesus die for you because you're such a loser. Look at what happened. And now you're still all messed up. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. You know what love also does? It rejoices when truth wins out. We're people of the truth. We rejoice when the truth wins out. John 14 says that Jesus is the truth. John 17 says that his word is the truth. Love rejoices with truth. Love protects. You know, as we're going through Christmas this season, think about how you can protect people around you. You can protect your children from seeing things on TV that they shouldn't see. Protect them. You can protect people around you from yourself by not being angry. How can we protect one another? Sometimes protecting people is to help them not to walk into a dangerous situation. Love protects, love trusts. Another translation is believe or have faith. Believe in people. Have faith in people. Let them know that you're going you're gonna to believe in and have faith in them. Love hopes. That's never going to work. No, that's just a waste of time. Who likes to hear that? That's kind of a bummer. I, I'm guilty of that. I'm, I, I'm guilty too often of finding the reason why things aren't going to work. That's eh, not going to work. What if we started having hope? Man, I really hope that, that works out well for you instead of, that ain't going to happen. Can we be loving and walk in hope with people? Now, now we're hoping for good things. So, so if somebody's going to go do something bad, you can protect them from that. You don't have to say, yeah, I hope that works out. Yeah, I'm really hoping to, you know, hook up with this loser, unchristian guy. And, you know, no, we don't have to hope for that. But we can hope good things. Love perseveres. Persevere. Keep at it with your friends, with your relatives. Living in hope and trust and protection. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. As we continue in this Christmas season, and I don't know what your schedule looks like, I know what mine looks like. It's too busy. It's too full. Town is too busy. And, and, and everything around can rob us of what God wants to happen in our hearts and lives this Christmas. Let's get a hold of the God who loved us and spend our time loving God and working at loving one another. The Bible says something about us. They will know we are Christians by our love one for another. I think sometimes we have misinterpreted that Greek word for love for one another, and we thought that the Greek for that meant bumper sticker. And they'll know that we are Christians by our bumper stickers. Because for some people, that's the most Christian thing about them is their bumper sticker. Not love, grace, mercy, righteousness, holiness. But that is not us, is it? We're going to be people of God who love one another and let his love be manifested in and through us this season.
those who go to prayer even in the midst of, of a moment to just say, God, I need your strength right now because otherwise I'm going to just let this guy have it. See? <laughs> That's the music we hear. You're hacking me off? Are you talking to me? Right? No. God, help me not to go all Clint Eastwood on this guy. Let's stand. How great the Father's love for us. God, we thank you for your love. We don't really understand it. We read the passages in the Bible. We hear people talk about your love for us, but so often we don't. So my first prayer, God, is help us to understand your love for us a little bit more today. Help it to be a heart thing and not just a mind thing. Let us know your love. God, as we begin to more and more understand that love, I pray that we would show you our love. God, in our gratefulness, in our worship, in our giving of our time to you and, to, and then to your children. God, help us to love one another. Not just the people that are easy to love, but also the people that are difficult to love. Those EGRs in our life, those people who require extra grace. Help us to love. Bring us back to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 13 to, to, to be reminded, okay, this is what love is and this is what love isn't. Help us to be those who are patient and kind. Those who protect, believe, and hope with others. God, that other people would know that we are Christians by our love, one for another. By the grace we exude, God, and we received your grace first. Help us to remember these things this season and to walk in them, and then I believe we'll actually enjoy this Christmas season so much more. Strengthen us, be with us each and every day. Be with us in our life groups, at work, school, at home. Help us to draw close to you, and you'll draw close to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was praying, I realized it's Communion Sunday. And so, you know what we can, you know the, what we can do? This might sound a little strange. When you're going out, in the, it's in the hallway, right, Jim, on those things? We're just going to open it up. Don't walk to your car. Grab your juice and your bread. Love one another for a moment or two. Find somebody that you can say, he loved us, and he gave us his body and blood. Let's work at loving one another and have communion together. Okay? Amen. We'll see you this week in our life groups and next Sunday.